have to eat the dream. You have to sleep the dream. You have to dream the dream. You gotta touch, you have to see it when nobody else sees it. You have to feel it when it's not tangible. You have to believe it when you cannot see it. You gotta be possessed with the dream. What's up guys and welcome to Straight From The Chess Podcast. My name is Justin Groth and I'm your host in this personal development and growth podcast. Listen, if you're new to this show, I just want to take this time and I want to welcome you. Thank you for being here. It means a lot to me. And listen, if this is your second or 252nd time tuning back in, thank you for your continued listenership. Support of the channel it means a lot to me. And look, if you haven't yet, please subscribe to us on Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud, we're anywhere that there is a, we're anywhere on all major platforms. Please do so and subscribe. That would I would appreciate that a lot. And uh, if you haven't yet subscribed to our YouTube, please do so. Like the content, I'd appreciate it a lot. We just started that, so please get us to 100 subscribers by the end of the week. That'd be great. And uh, but listen, share the podcast, help to generate more awareness of the podcast and the guests we have on, and I would just appreciate it a lot. So, without further ado, Stephanie. Welcome back. Hi. <laughs> it's good to see you. So Likewise. how have things been since the last time we spoke? Good. Great. Busy. Living life. Enjoying it as much as possible. Work. It's been a wild year for everyone, I bet. But yeah. Yeah. Working, of course. But You're a worker bee. I am. You are crazy in work. <laughs> so ever since I've known I, you. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I it, it could be a survival defense mechanism who knows perfectionist aspect but yes i do have a strong work ethic i think i'm always juggling multiple jobs and stuff so but i enjoy it for those of the people who don't know you kind of just give them a brief overlay of who you are uh i uh, own a salon in shell beach and i have a lot of clientele there and um i kind of do a little bit of everything um honestly a jack of all trades but i also do a lot of mindset mentoring and um, coaching with clients as well so it's a cool little studio environment where i can really kind of get behind the scenes and do shadow work with clients while doing their aesthetically pleasing hair and stuff too so it's kind of cool to do have that medium where i can um provide a service add value in multiple ways in multiple aspects so um and then I have a mother of two and raising them in uh, fifth grade and sophomore. So that's busy, busy as well. And then I do a lot of mobile weddings and I have a whole crew. I kind of hire and go and do events on location. And so that keeps me very busy in this area as well. So you're highly sought after for hair around the area. Yeah, I, you really are. You're not going to say it. I'll say it for you. But you're very, you're very highly sought after well, in terms of you. the way that you your coloring especially is I hear a lot about that coloring extensions etc I mean my mom goes to you but that's not where I hear it from I hear it from other people other than my mom and and so yeah you're obviously very talented at well, what you do you. I've been doing it for decades I started you know over 20 years ago and but also soon Paul Mitchell and stuff but I really really started enjoying my career when I started implementing more psychology into it too so I think it's not just the physical aspect of the hair and being talented artists but also what you know, somebody can walk away feeling amazing, you know, and it's, it's an internal thing too. And so that's what I think I provide that's slightly different than the average stylist too. So, so how the psychology aspect start? I went to school for that and not necessarily hair, but then, so I was, I've always been fascinated with it since a young age, but then just poured myself into the hair thing and then, um, got pulled in that direction. But I don't know, I had my own spiritual awakening, I guess you could say, and it made me want to start implementing it more into my services at first it was like birth charts human design charts things like that and that was fun um and it kind of opens the door for people to be more um i don't know open to the whole metaphysical aspect and spiritual side 
um, and see that I was passionate about it. And honestly, when you're passionate about something, like, you know, it makes people kind of pulled in. It's magnetic. And so, and then I started realizing the more you're, I was doing that, I felt more authentic. And then the more authentic you are and the more vulnerable and honest you are, you do build those connections. So it kind of just started spiraling that way, like holding up a mirror literally with clients, but also metaphysically like, okay, you know, you talk to me for two hours about your husband in the trash can or something. And I, before I, you know, this whole journey, I'd be like, uh-huh, 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 oh, dang. Now I go, is it really the trash can? Is it really that? Because I make you kind of look at yourself and what you did to create that scenario and what you could do differently. Um, so I don't know. It just kind of started happening like about 10 years ago and it's stuck and it keeps progressing. It's really awesome. So it's almost like you found a different avenue mm-hmm. of identity almost, huh? Yeah, and it's just another little niche that even some of my clients themselves that are psychotherapists have started journeying to a different route because they're only they're kind of put in a box with their their certificates and their certifi- certifications rather. And so when you can kind of do something like I'm doing where it's not necessarily you know under a title, you can you have a little more freedom. It's creative arts therapy. It's a little bit more. And so, I don't know. I've it's kind of cool to see some of even my own clients that are counselors and psychotherapists becoming just coaches so they don't have that limitation of what they can and can't speak about and so I think that's maybe why I was pulled into hair because obviously I love doing it but that's not the reason I got pulled to it I really feel like it was because of the medium I would be allowed to really connect with my clients that's awesome to hear and I really feel that's almost the same thing for me with training I was going to say that earlier I exactly it's crazy I don't think that the, the universe, God, however you want to see it, guided me towards training because it's training. Mm-hmm. I think it was the, the, the people aspect of everything mm-hmm. you know, or the whole component. You might be working you know? on their physical aspect and their body and their health, but you're also working on their mind. And their through intellect. them, yep. through mm-hmm. the fitness rather. And yeah, yeah. value that route. Yep. How was the feedback like when you started? I know that in the, the psychology aspect kind of came organically, mm-hmm. you know, but how, what was some of the feedback that you would get from your clients when you would let them, <laughs> now that you were talking about it, you know? I think initially most people, you get defensive, like, cause most people are programmed to think it's not me. It's everyone else. It's because of my husband. It's, it's my mother-in-law. It, it's the driver. It's my boss. It's never you. And so initially when I'm like, no, it's you and let me tell you why initially I was met with you know defense and like how dare you and so I I'm not gonna lie I think I lost a couple people right away um because I wasn't agreeing but honestly now looking back in retrospect those are typically narcissists and people that don't want to self-reflect they're actually incapable of having introspection so the moment you hold up a mirror metaphysically of course they're going to run how dare you challenge their ego so it's kind of I guess it did me a service doing that anyways and the more I found my voice and helped them too the more I understood why I was in that calling and the more empowered I could see my clients become and stuff. So, I mean, they tell me things they don't tell their therapists and stuff. So it's just cool. And I'm also a judgment free zone. I really feel like if somebody has met me, they can attest that I don't shame or judge. So I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So you've told me off mic a couple of times. <laughs> okay. You've told me off mic a couple of times how you are kind of drawn to narcissists. Mm. Is that yes. just the just the the male archetype of narcissist, or is it both female and male? I think we all have narcissistic traits. It's on a sliding scale, but sure. I think there are certain attachment styles, like dismissive avoidance, that become a more uh, strong narcissistic personality. And then you've got your codependents and your impasse and your people pleasers, like myself, um, that recovering that can fall more on the anxious attachment or fearful avoidant attachment. So I was drawn to it because I realized a lot of people from my early ages were either were a strong cluster B. So they were either borderlines and bipolar with an anxious attachment style 
or they were the, the narcissists that were cold and, and um, manipulative and lacked empathy, um, but dismissive avoidance. But at the end of this, the day, there, I just realized even from a young age that to not personalize these things um, because it was their in, there was their trauma that created this. So I don't know. I guess I'm drawn to narcissists because I'm fascinated by the fact of that trauma and that arrested development, that child that's throwing the tantrum inside. I see that. And I guess it's the people-pleasing aspect of me that just wants to show them that they can be loved. And But I also am now taking accountability of the people-pleasing toxicity. And it's still enough, it's literally the same. You're still looking outside of yourself. Like the narcissist is trying to get supply from other people. The empath, codependent, um, people-pleaser is still technically looking outside of themselves to find that sense of self too. Regardless, it's the same thing and it's toxic. So I think I'm just drawn to them because everything's a mirror to me, honestly. And I guess I'm finding more about myself by interacting with them. It's really tricky to put into words, but. And this is predominantly males you're talking about, right? Not necessarily. Um, and I'm noticing more and more lately to it, I've been pulled to more borderline males. And a lot of people are in the dirt of the misconception that um, only females are borderlines, but there's a lot of um, male borderlines out there, which is still cluster B, which is still a narcissistic family. So they still um, endured a lot of the same trauma in their childhood that nurtured that arrested development as a child. And just one takes it more dismissive, perhaps narcissistic, and one takes it more anxious style, which is borderline. And they like they crave the emotion, they crave the, the relationship, whereas the narcissist uses it to feel fed, but doesn't want to be there for emotionally. I can dive deep and talk about this for hours, though, but um, I guess I'm just drawn to cluster Bs, long story short. so Can you define a cluster B? It's it's bipolar. It's uh, it's narcissism. But narcissism is not just your typical grandiose that a lot of people will, you know, Trump or something. And it's like, no, 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 no. There's so many flavors. And I think the ones that my particular dark flavor that I'm drawn to is the covert or the vulnerable. So those are often like, I don't know, police officers or physical trainers and things like that like um they're they tend to be a little bit more um they can come across as very extremely nice and giving and kind but then you start finding the manipulation happens kind of behind closed doors and it's only the people in the relationship with them that can see that so if they were to try to tell anyone else this is happening i'm I'm getting gaslit and manipulated I, i don't know it it would no one else would see that so i don't know how to define the last relationship I was in Mm -hmm. but she had been with a narcissist prior to me and I'd like to think that I can identify one but perhaps I can't or perhaps she was really good at her tactics in terms of getting me to do things not like I was not like that kind of sounds bad not like getting me to do things like I would just do things for her I mean getting her way with me mm-hmm. when it came to things that I was wanting otherwise to be different. Mm-hmm. And I, I, there are elements of me that are very loyal and there are elements of me that could give a shit. So it's like if, if I'm very loyal to my car wash guy, my car, do, I'm very loyal to him. I've been with him for the last 10 years up until Ten year to up until about a couple months ago, a few months ago, because of scheduling purposes, I was loyal to my barber for ten years, and then his scheduling changed, my scheduling changed, and I just couldn't find the time to get in. And then when I did get in, he wasn't there, etc. So I ended up going to somewhere else, and then now I'm staying there now. <laughs> However, when it comes to when it came to the, this woman, I know she meant well for me, and and she wanted good That's for sad. us, but at the same time, it's like. 
She's pushing you out of your comfort zone, though. It's perspective because you, you have your loyalty, but it could also be perceived as your routine. And so you're stuck in a box. And so I don't know her, so I'm not saying, but it's, sometimes it's interesting to sit with a flip of perspective that perhaps she meant well to push you out of that box to face the fear of changing your routine. Because a lot of people can be stubborn in that routine and yeah. they, because it's all they know. And so not saying negating what you're no, going sure. with and the path you're going down at all because I don't know her. But I know that I, my intentions have been perceived kind of what I was feeling you were going with with her almost um, passive aggressive or pushing change when I, ideally I think I was just trying to get them to not be so stubbornly stuck in routine. What do you say about people that are plain flat out dismissive? So when I was to say something, it didn't matter, didn't answer the question, dismissed it. Mm-mm, that's not right. Right. Everyone has their truth. So that's sort of what that I'm not, I'm not trying to paint a picture of she's a bad person. She's not. No, a lot of females can be a narcissist too, but most females are more borderline, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. It's just gender. It's actually the energy they, they have. They, more feminine energy can tend to be more borderline. Sure. But it could be a man or a woman. So she could technically be a female narcissist. That's becoming more prevalent in the media now than ever. And I'm actually glad to see that. I've actually been called that recently. <laughs> so that's a funny. narcissist? Yeah, but just never in my life until recently. But um, So there are females that are narcissists, but I, I do believe it's a word that is kind of too thrown around, though. I need to throw that out there um, because people have narcissistic traits and people can be cheaters or liars or in their ego, but that doesn't make them a narcissist. So it really comes down to the trauma and the attachment style. And you got to sit with somebody and really understand them to before you really know they're a narcissist. But that being said, it can be a female or a male that's a narcissist. And there's different flavors, you know, somatic, cerebral, like a lot of professors and, and, and doctors that just love to use their intellect um, or word salad a lot um, are cerebral narcissists. And then the coverts and the vulnerables and the grandiose, the malignant is the, the few that really know what they're doing. The rest don't know they are. Malignant, like almost like dark triad traits. Yeah. And those are the ones that know what they are. Mm. And that's actually... In my opinion, a little bit more rare, um, but people want to immediately think that's what a narcissist is. But no, there's a lot of them out there. It's like the con man, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. I have encountered one of those recently. Yes, the salesman. The, they know how to mirror you very well. <laughs> but yes. Yeah, it's interesting. that whole The whole personality breakdown is very interesting. And there's so much that I don't know. We all don't know. Mm-hmm. But then again, there's people that know a lot about it, like yourself that can share so much wisdom on it and then break it down in a way that you can consume it, really. It's palatable. It's fascinating to me. Since I was a young child, I was kind of surrounded by toxic individuals, and I think I got really drawn to understanding the psyche behind them, whether you're a serial killer or, you know, bipolar throwing, crashing every dish in the kitchen. But I wanted to understand what made them the way they are and um, but have empathy in a weird way, and that obviously perhaps part of my people pleasing aspect but then because a part of me as the people pleaser that's recovering um, wanted to know this to also be two steps ahead if I could figure them out then I can prevent the trigger and so obviously I'm realizing that's toxic too so I've got my own healing nobody's perfect here we're all here to learn and level up and grow and but it's fascinating people are fascinating and I'm fascinated by people yes yeah but you're one of those people that is a fascinating person I know a lot of people I met a lot of people in my life and I'm sure you have too yeah but there are certain people that just stick out and they're and it's not because just the way they look or anything like that. It's like who they are internally. You're very different. You're different in a very Good unique way. Yes. No, no, no. I mean that I'm in a triggered. good context. I mean, I mean that in the in the best context. I, I don't I don't mean that like, you know, I remember one time you told me this is years ago. You said 
I like to be a wallflower. Mm-hmm. Like I just want to see and observe. <laughs> yeah. And it's apart from that, there, there are just so many elements. Even when you interact with you, it's not like interacting with anyone else. It's, it's very different, but it's very different in a refreshing way. And it almost causes the person to have to chameleonize differently if they want to see the best from you or get the best out of you. I'm a five one in human design, whether that resonates for anyone or not. Um, I'm a mirror. So correct. I can bring out the best in you or the worst in you too. So even just breathing, I can trigger you, but I'm also an INFJ Sigma. So basically I am kind of different. You're not going to find me very, everyone's different. Let's not, you know, (laughs) put that in a box, but I'm very quirky and I do feel misunderstood as a result of that. But, um, they were like less than 1% and the five, one in human design, what that just means is it's the heretic and the investigator. So I fall back, investigate everything. And that's the one line. And that means I want to know everything about everything. So I can come forward as the five, the heretic, the Jesus, the disciple, you know, the one that tells you this is what needs to be done. And with this knowledge, but as a result, you can be painted black pretty quickly. Like Jesus was too, I guess you could say as a reference, you know, like, you know, he's our savior. He's telling us. And then all of a sudden, you know, one second, they don't want to do the work. They don't want to have the accountability painted black. So you're what's wrong. You're the problem. So I tend to, it helps in my line of work because I can hold up a mirror. It's literally the mirror. So whatever you, so I can see people's shadows too. Let's just put it that way. So hence why I'm drawn to narcissists and cluster bees because I see their shadow, but I don't personalize it and I don't judge it or shame it. But yes, if somebody is willing and wanting to kind of level up and grow and, and kind of face some stuff, I'm the person you should probably talk to is what I'm getting at. Because <laughs> yes, if you want to grow, I will trigger that within you. It's, I don't know, but it's not for everyone. That's why I kind of tend to fall back as an INFJ. I guess you could say we, we almost want to be alone because it's where we're peace. But the moment we interact with people, we trigger often. So You're triggering with people? Very much so. I would never guess that just by breathing oh well, just anything you might feel like if you can't say it's something simple and small i can't figure it out you know like oh people, i can't figure you out you know that still gets to them because i can figure everyone else out or something so it's even something small small like that it's obviously a little bit more intense when there's relationships and feelings involved but something small like that whether it was coworkers, like you just think you're better than everyone you know because i'm quiet or reserved so anyways yes i do just breathing trigger a lot of people <laughs> Isn't it just that you're just you're just quiet? You're just more observant. You just I don't wanna... need anyone to. Yeah. I mean, and that often can trigger people too. I don't need your approval. I know myself so well, and I'm constantly sitting with things myself. That it's very rare you do come across somebody that's not trying to see themselves through another. So a lot of people operate in this world by what people think or feel towards them, or that's kind of how they place their value. I don't do that, and so that immediately seems weird and off too. It could be different in a good way, depending on your perspective. But for some, it does, it doesn't sit well with them. Yeah. That I don't need their approval, that I don't need anything from them. Especially when it comes to, seems this way, come, when it comes to being a woman in this, in this world, yeah. everybody, all the women, it's almost like their, their currency is attention and approval. It seems like. I think all genders, but yes, yeah. you're right. I mean, Social media might look like it's more females, but I, I know men, uh, pretty much every man I know is like that too now. I think we're just programmed now as a society to look outside ourselves. And, and because honestly, an obsession with another is a distraction from yourself. So it's another way, 
whether you want to call it a conspiracy theory or not, but to keep you distracted from your own power and your own growth, focus on the other. And if we go through our whole life trying to do that, I don't know, you just don't, you lose your authenticity. It creates addiction. It, it, it activates your trauma. Like there's so many things that I could go dart, you know, down the rabbit hole with that one. But I don't know. So you, it's just different. That's what I'm getting at. Yeah. Do you think that you attract a specific type of man? I think we attract what's going to help us evolve. So do I tend to get drawn to, in my past, narcissists? Yes. Um, and now it's more borderlines and things like that. Yes. Um, but I'm not putting that on them coming to me. I attract, I feel like we radiate at certain frequencies, like a radio station. And so you attract what you are and not necessarily people are like, well, I'm a nice person. I should get nice things. No, what you are, your self-concept. So if I believe that I need to work hard enough to feel loved, or I need to do A, B, and C to feel a value, then I'm going to attract search people, circumstances, situations, that I need to do that and it kind of so I do attract a certain flavor perhaps um, until my self-concept changes as will you you will attract and be attracted to rather certain flavors until your self-concept grows and changes that's why our tastes change as we evolve and level up because you're only I feel personally when you feel those butterflies and that chemistry that's just trauma being activated that's all that is it's quantum entanglement you literally just got your mommy and daddy issues sparked but when you know that, you can still have fun with it. Like, that's what I do. Like, I'm not going to deny it and shame it. I'm like, oh, man, I can grow from you. Let's do this. Like, so. Can you go off a little bit on what that means, the quantum entanglement? There's just there's certain science um, and physics involved where they are proving now that, you know, we're all connected. And then certain, you can be, you know, here and a cell here can actually vibrate at the same frequency as one across the world. And if something happens to that one across the world, immediately the one here is going to do the same thing. Mm. so it's certain species of animals are proving that too it's really wild like one will pick up a new trait and then another one that never had any contact with that species will start cracking the coconut the same way wow. like it's just it's really cool so i just feel like we everything is connected i don't know i can get very metaphysical and everything's cool when you just i don't know when it when it really makes sense that everyone is you pushed out then yes you're attracted to certain things but only to show you certain aspects of your shadow and then when you sit with that you integrate it then you level up and you have new flavors you get pulled to, new people you're attracted to. So, so you use the the word shadow a lot. So can you kind of just kinda... I'm a big Carl Jung fan and Alan Watts and they and the, um, they speak a lot about your shadow and I honestly believe that's a big big tool and often a lot of religions will do it too, but um a big aspect of this matrix and in this learning journey I feel like is integrating your shadow. That's what your ego is, that's what you um, survival mode. It's it's your subconscious that is running your life, but you think your conscious mind is, and it's not. Your self-concept, who you believe you are, your trauma, everything that happened to you is running in your shadows. Agreed, and it's dormant. Yeah. That voice that talks to you, that tells you you need to do A, B, and C, or you're mm -hmm. stupid, or you're never going to be good enough, that's your shadow. Mm -hmm. So until you really face that shadow and integrate it, you're going to keep having similar things happen in your life. You're going to keep having the same experiences, the same lessons. Like The shadow is a very key aspect, but it's not learning to kill it. It's learning to face it and embrace it and then integrate it, meaning it doesn't control your life anymore. It comes up, cool story, bro. Don't tell anyone, you know, like, mm. then it's like, okay. Like it all of a sudden becomes the little meek thing as opposed to being this ferocious monster that we can't control. And I, that's why I'm a big believer. The more you subdue something, like say you grow up very religious and they, they shame sex, like that stays in your shadow. And what happens, it eats you alive. And then you become the sex addict. Like the shadow is very, very key to who you are and how you operate in this matrix. So I don't know. I'm a big advocate of facing the shadows and doing shadow work yeah 
through psychedelics. <laughs> I think you mentioned that last time. I'm, I personally have it, but yeah, I know a lot of people that do that. And absolutely, whatever works for you. It is a quick pathway yeah. to realize or figure out, rather, identify what, where you're wrong, what's, what's irking you, what dragons you have to slay, etc. Depends on the At least what I've it. heard in yeah. terms of their trips, what trips they've had. If on. they're willing and desiring to face it and they're going into it with that intention. Yeah. I think some go into it with that intention perhaps, but not in truly. And then they just end up spiraling um, on a darker path or not doing anything with what that epiphany moment they had. So I'm not opposed to it because it can tend to break the, the 3D veil down for people. And so they can see that we're consciousness and see that 4D. And so it can take that wall down. So if you need something like that to take the wall down, do it. Yeah. Cause some others, you know, spiritual awakening, near death experience, pain can do it. Um, abrupt, um, loss of a limb, something very traumatic can do it, but others need to do it a psychedelic route, which I understand. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like that's the thing that opens up the next realm. Like it's like a portal from what I've, what it's been described to me as it's like a, and by the way, this is not like people I know. This is just like <laughs> listening to the podcast or yeah. anything, but it's like it opens up another portal that you didn't even know existed. And it shows you probably your, your conscience or your subconscious shows you where you're, you're fucking up really and what you need to change. But you're right. You probably have to be submissive enough beforehand when you enter into something like that to be able to know that this is, could go really, really south. Mm-hmm. And if it does, I'm prepared. That's Otherwise, fine. you're going to be guarded, yeah. right? And that's why it's not necessarily a bad thing, too, because we're so in, I don't know, in a do, do, do. So when you do something like that, you're in the B. You need to learn how to receive. And sometimes in that receiving mode is when it can all come to you, too. So yeah, even if it's dark, you're like, let's do this. And I don't know. I know a weird way that surrender is some magic can happen there. So I'm not opposed to people doing it. Yeah. So you mentioned off camera a little bit. I'm going to bring this up. You oh, mentioned Lord. off camera <laughs> <laughs> that... You've been lately in your masculine energy. Oh, well, I guess you could say during the day, I kind of dabble with that anyways, with owning businesses, you know, being a mother, single type of thing. But, um, yeah, no, typically I try to be more feminine in the, in the sexual aspect in the intimate route. Um, but I've been playing with more of the masculine role in that route and it's helping the people pleasing recovery go well because it's helping me find the voice and, and. Um, so playing with the dominatrix aspect and, and then I went down the rabbit hole too of seeing, listening to a couple psychotherapists actually that do dominatrix work and they were saying that it's, um, it's light work done in the dark. So, and it's, you know, shadow work done in the dark, I guess you could say so. And who likes shadow work? Me. (laughs) So I was like, Oh, Hey. (laughs) So anyways, that's been fun to just, um, I don't know. There's a lot of information out there of why there's, it's such a popular way of dealing with trauma too. the dom and sub category and family and it really helps um for a lot of people heal their stuff too so there's other routes again psychedelics dominatrix you know what does that look like though it just depends everyone's scene and scenario and flavor is going to be different so (laughs) you're wanting seriously details here no um honestly it's just there's different roles and a lot i think that more of us are resonating with is more of a femdom so you're you're just you're still in your feminine energy but it's more of a goddess energy and it's more of a um yeah telling the person what to do and and and, um (laughs) and they're enjoying it being the sub because a lot of them tend to be in their masculine energy so much so for them to finally 
release that in a place that can be vulnerable and, and be told what to do and not have to be the decision maker, it's really freeing for them too. So it's a very, and then you have this vulnerability between the two so it can really connect the people too. So. Yeah. That whole thing is interesting. The whole yeah, I've thing never is done it. I've never. I've had clients and friends talk about it. It's just in the you know in the last year or so I've played with that, and um, I can see why people do it now, though. Yeah. So I want to kind of go off a little bit. You posted a long time ago, maybe not a long time ago, probably about a month ago, a post about masculinity, mm-hmm. and it was like a it was like a reel of sorts talking about not even t- it was like almost just pictures I want from what I remember, and essentially pedestalizing masculinity for what the man essentially for what the man does and what he puts himself through i just don't like how as a society we tend to be a lynch mob and the pendulum needs to stop swinging from one to the other the moment you you know think one's oppressed you're oppressing the other one so it's kind of you save the dolphin to kill the turtles i don't know but so i just saw a huge wave of people um in my circle and online really demonizing the masculine man and the white male in particular, but I, which I understand, and they, they're allowed their truth and their voice. But in my mind, too, I think I'm all about flipping the frame and showing a new perspective. And I think what we need more than ever is masculine energy. And that's what, a, it's not something to be shamed, and it's not something to be demonized. Um, I get people say, you know, toxic masculinity is different than masculinity, but just like narcissism is thrown a lot too, like you really need to sit with what you're doing because the moment you call all men that, like you're putting everyone in a box. I'm not a fan of anything being put in a box. So mm. yeah, I just shared that post to really, because I, I do think men, I they do a lot of things that the female can't do. That's a reason we're different. So <laughs> I don't know. I stop shaming one more than the other. I mean, the ultimate journey is to integrate both masculine and feminine energy within, but on a 3D aspect, still love each gender for what they can do and what they bring to the table so you get pushback from that, that oh, of post? course <laughs> always did, did you read the, the pushback not really not a lot um i i honestly don't have a ton of female followers um but so the pushback i got was more of um the feminist males so um the ones that really stand up for femininity and stuff um i don't know what title and label why do you design. think that is why do you think men stand up for that I mean, that's a rabbit hole one too but that's their own trauma too like there, a lot of people have this and it can fall into the category of some altruistic narcissist too um, it's another way of shaming and judging and repressing someone else so you feel better mm. so it's still their own insecure attachment trauma it's still their own wounds that they're projecting so and it's also a way of them maybe adding value and being seen as part of the group now now the women are taking them in at least if the man shunned them because they weren't masculine enough now the women can at least take them in there's multiple reasons it's hard to say this is a broad it's a broad thing but it is very interesting out there though with a lot of the projection happening and nobody really truly i don't want to say nobody a lot of people not sitting with their the reason they're doing what they're doing the projection is coming from their insecure attachments and from their addictions and trauma so i don't know yeah you have a probably a a scientific way of explaining how or why they're like that why they're the why feminists as males exist the way that i would see that is just they can't get women so they have to submit themselves in their own masculinity because they think that women will be more attracted to that and so that they will okay well now i'm accepted by women because i'm for women but 
I've never met a, I mean, I'm not saying they don't clearly exist, but never met a woman who doesn't want a man for a man. It's almost like me. I don't want a woman. That's a man. I want a woman. That's a woman. I want a, a, a feminine woman. It depends on what energy you're primarily operating in. A lot of these feminist males, they might be in a male body, but their energy is very feminine. Mm. So therefore, they're fighting for feminine causes with their energy. And then they are attracted to masculine women, if you've noticed. Right. So it's, it's kind of... It's the yin and the yang, yeah, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's the psychology of it, like I was saying earlier, but it's also just the aspect of take the gender out of it, what energy are they vibrating as? And then you're going to be attracted to the the yin and the yang aspect. So generally speaking, you're right. I mean, a a man is going to want the feminine and the feminine will want the man. But then you take, that's generally speaking and with gender included. But it's tricky because more than ever, whether you want to blame it on chemicals in our food or, you know, fluoride in the water or whatever, but they're more than ever, we're seeing a lot of male genders have feminine energy and a lot of feminine Female forms have masculine energy. That's why you're seeing the whole rise of the feminists in the Me Too. It's very masculine energy. Why do you think that is? There's speculation, like I said in a minute ago, like whether I think they're trying to do all these studies that it's our food and our um, man-made grains and our uh, the sugar implemented and things that have soy, whatever it might be, that is really thrown off our um, epigenetics and our way of seeing life and our energy. Um, I personally, I guess I more subscribe to it's just meant to happen. The pendulum's kind of going way over here and it's going to balance out again. So it's not something I think we can prevent, but we should be observing it and understanding it, but trying not to feed it. That's my, because I feel like eventually it'll balance out again. That's tough not to, not I know. to feed something. And nobody, everyone I talk to is like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I don't know. But trust me, that's where the magic spot I is. I mean, just stay out of it, I guess. That's just how I do it. Just observe and don't feed yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Because whatever you give your attention to, you're feeding. So I can right. observe it. I can make a comment about it. But then I'm not going to go to bed stressing yeah. about it. Like, just yeah. don't feed it. There are a it's lot happening. Of, yeah, there are a lot of people that they, they make it their sole mission yes. to just that. And what they don't understand is they're perpetuating the very thing they don't desire. Because you, what you feed and you focus on, you're literally making it grow. So, you know, whether it's oppression or I need this t- title or I need this label. And they're, I don't know, they're creating, they're, they're putting themselves in the box doing that. But Yeah. Oh, well. The, the relationship aspect is very interesting because there's so, you're right. Obviously, there can't be um, two masculines and there can't be two feminines in a relationship. It has it, to be. It can happen, but it is. You've more seen of that? A, yeah, if they're both dismissive avoidance, they do very well. It's almost like a business arrangement. So, Correct, yeah. So the chemistry technically isn't there, but they still, it can happen. It, it can, but it's usually too dismissive avoidance together or too anxious or something like that. So it, it's a, it's different, but yeah, it's a little more rare, but it does happen, yeah. If it's not in a, in a would you say it's not, if it's not in a business arrangement and there there is the chemical equation there, it would have to be, you would think, because us, how we were evolved, we evolved to want the counterpart. Mm-hmm. So it almost makes sense to, like, I don't, I can't, how can it work the opposite way unless it's, it is a business arrangement? Yeah, and it's, it's, yeah, you're not growing, you're not loving, you're not maybe even sexual, but you're perhaps understanding each other's needs to pay the bills, go to work or mm-hmm. something, you know, and leave each other alone. Then it works. Because it would be like yin and yang doesn't, that's not real then. That's not truth. And we know the yin and yang is... No, but true. you can be friends with like another yin. You know what I mean? So it's more of that dynamic where friends, yeah, but not 
There's lovers not going to be chemistry and, and chemistry. lovers and right. passion where you're going to grow. Yeah. Right. Right. We were talking also briefly. <laughs> excuse me. I want to bring this up about conspiracy theories and stuff. Oh yeah. And one of the one of the things that I've always I've always I okay so I'll, let's go back to um, my childhood. My dad loves these fucking Bigfoot shows and the <laughs> UFO shows that are on History Channel. And so I got naturally, you know, pulled into that as well. Mm-hmm. And History Channel does a crazy job at doing like all different types of, I guess, all covering all parameters of aliens and where they could exist and everything like that. And then, and then Bigfoot and then that. And I've slowly just come to know that, look, you can believe in Bigfoot. You can believe in, in the people that have seen Bigfoot. I'm not disputing that. I don't even care. <laughs> For me, I have a tendency to think more logically with this. And if they've if Bigfoot's been around for all these years, but they've never recovered a body mm-hmm. that like fucking ever, even if they have hair in the tri- in the tree branch and by the way, I think all those episodes that document the hair quote unquote or like the tracks that shit's fucking hollywood yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. not yeah but as the viewer you like get pulled in mm-hmm. and that's uh, that's why the shows did pretty well but you logically think about it it's like if bigfoot was alive and and i'm not talking about the because we had a bigfoot sort of type archetype back way back when called i think gigantopithecus so that was like the closest to bigfoot we got right but they that's extinct obviously from what i understand it just seems to me that there and again i don't know shit but there would have been a body recovered by now Mm -hmm. at least one motherfucker would have been would have found him one dead but one like that that's never happened so that we know of that we know of but it's that's like the only thing. if you if the if you found one the first thing you would do is take it to the media you would think true but then it's weird because i'm actually following you i actually resonate with that as well but the thing that's a trip though is it, the whole dead internet theory and the whole media being all owned by the same people you used to be able to Google all these different journals and tumblers and all that, um, you know, just 10 years ago. Now you literally can only do 10 pages on Google and it stops. They're really controlling what you see. Mm. So perhaps something was found like the, I don't know. They're finding something like a fish that wasn't, has been around since the dinosaurs and they're, I don't know. That's interesting. So there's stuff like that. Like, so perhaps that is that species that was extinct that is now back, but they limit the information that we have. But that being said, I still, that's interesting. I didn't think of that, but that's, that's a possibility for sure that they would because they do the same thing with UFOs. Yeah, of course. With everything, actually. They want you to if they can push a story in the media or they can never tell you about it. They literally are programming. That's all the TV yes. and media is, is programming. So turn it off. But no, they could withhold information. They might have all this information. Do I resonate with that? Not necessarily that. But is it a possibility? Perhaps. And they wouldn't tell you if it was. I agree with that. So. Why do you think they wouldn't tell us? Because we couldn't handle it. No, because it's not necessarily we couldn't handle. I honestly think whatever they can do to keep, and I say they, but I think most people hopefully are onto that by now, what they, but um, they they tend to want to keep you asleep. Mm. The more you know that there's other this or this or that or that, there's more than what's here, 
the more you wake up to your truth and of the I am consciousness and in your power and how you're the conscious creator. And I think everything is orchestrated in doctrine to keep you asleep. Everything, including the information you're given or not given. Your food, everything, the media, everything is to keep you small. How much money you make. Everything, keep yeah. you small. I remember a while back, I had a friend that told me, she was used to listen to Grant Cardone. You familiar with Grant Cardone? Mm-hmm. He's a big real estate um, mogul, among other things. But he, very wealthy, and made a lot of his money, well, I think mostly, or if not all of it, the commercial real estate. Anyway, he had said something, and he's he might be sort of the archetype that I had a podcast with that I sent you the link oh, to. Yeah, it's my favorite. <laughs> sort of like that, possibly. However, um, maybe some small differences. But he told her he, he 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 didn't tell her. I'm sorry. He she heard him quote, "If people tell you it's not all about money, it's because they're." I don't know. He didn't use he didn't use a pejorative. He just said like it's not it's people that tell you it's not all about money are are just poor mindset or something like that, right? And I thought to myself, this is like this is years ago, and I thought to myself, I obviously I contended with that a little bit, and I said it's all about doing things you love, and that's not all all the time going to come with money, doing things you love, but what what i was missing there was the aspect of freedom financial freedom mm-hmm. you can have a lot of money and be prudent and integral with how you share that money or rather save that money and who you, what you use it on that could actually benefit a lot of people so by that token it's good to be wealthy but it depends on how you distribute it It depends on how you use your wealth that could be freedom for you that could be freedom that could be generational wealth for your entire family line Mm -hmm. that's not a bad thing so i the way i was looking at it was i was in this box Mm -hmm. like no it's just passion you do what's passionate sometimes men don't have a fucking choice and have to do things they don't want to do because they have to be a provider and that's how they're graded on a large socioeconomical scale by not only their peers, but by women. Mm-hmm. So they have to provide that's and oftentimes my dad didn't get a chance to do what he fucking loved. He had to do what he had to do to provide for me, my mom, when I was born. Mm-hmm. He did the the next best thing he thought he 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 did the thing that he thought he could do sort of well. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't like he went to bed dreaming about being a landscaper. These things honestly just cultivated themselves on their own. The more he got good at his job, the more he essentially accrued competency in his craft. Mm-hmm. And then that developed confidence. And then that kind of propelled the driving mechanism forward to do more and be more and create more. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't what he fucking was passionate about. It's just something that was threat times and he got to do something i think i used to say something like that too but i honestly replace passion with intention it's because then you set the intention and then you take the action towards it so he set the intention to be the provider i guess you could say so then he starts taking action towards it and then the passion will come or you can do the other route too honestly to be but i don't know what's the other route well meaning you can pursue your passion go for it oh 
correct. Yeah. But obviously, I think when sometimes people push too much, they're they're not in the receiving mode. They're not in the be. They're do 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 do, and they're missing that in that intention. In that being is where the magic happens. So when you set the intention to be the provider, you set that. But that being said, going back to yes, you're right. The whole being the provider. But why don't we tell a new story there too? That you money because in that generation we've also been programmed to believe that we need to work hard for money let's tell a new story that there's a there's abundance for everyone like we can have financial freedom when we deserve that it's our birthright and so i'm trying to reprogram myself there too because i've been programmed to see that too like work hard make it happen go after the i don't know and so who instilled that in you it's a generational thing too that, you know, your parents and I didn't necessarily have some, but I saw some <laughs> that it was just their generation be quiet, put your head down, do the hard work, make it yeah. happen, which I get, but it kind of programmed us to be, think that we need to work hard for, for attention, for love, for money, for anything. Well, then the generation behind us goes, uh, no, you don't. And then we get triggered by them. Like there's no one that wants to work. You know, it's the pendulum. Once again, what I was saying, one was really extreme. One's the other, the sweet spots in the middle that, you anything you desire you 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 can have you wouldn't have that desire there if it wasn't meant to happen you can literally create anything you desire but it's setting the intention and trusting and believing that it's yours and then going acting as if it's already yours so that's the sweet spot if i want financial yeah i, I was almost programmed our generation to think money is evil or it's dark or this or that and just need to work out the, right you know what i mean and now i'm like trying to reprogram myself that no it's not i'm I'm allowed to have financial freedom. I'm allowed to live and not just be in survival mode. Like, fuck this shit, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like, I just feel like we need to reprogram that by literally believing that we deserve it and we don't need to always be the one providing and always be in the do mode, but learn how to be as well. And just, I don't know. I don't know. No, I, you're right. Like the balance, the balance <laughs> yes, between the be and the do. At. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That's, that matters. And it's hard to, it's hard to find that balance when you're always doing. And I think they almost want, they back to that, keep you in the doing they keep you in the distracted keep you in that because that sweet spot is the b like honestly the moment you just sit back and you just know it's yours doesn't it come to you like the moment you're like fine i don't even care about that anymore doesn't it come to you then like it's that sweet spot of stop trying like when people are trying so hard to get followers or something and they're like it's not working the moment you're like i don't care i post what i want it'll happen when it's meant to but you mean it and you're just coming from authentic authentic place it literally just happens everything in life so that b spot is really magical and so they i guess we're programmed to just be in the do especially generational but it, the magic is a balance between the both so if you're a generation that's just in b that's not good either honestly it's it's the magic of the both so how would you operate if you're a millionaire what would the millionaire do right now that's what you should tell yourself be in that end state mm-hmm. so you operate like that and then that's act, taking actions toward it it's not oh i need to get this many followers and do this email and do this that's actually too much do so when you set the intention, then you be in the being state of it, be in the state. What would a millionaire be doing right now? What would a millionaire do in this situation? What would a millionaire do right now? Like literally be in that state is when it all happens organically. And then you see yourself as something much, much greater than you are. And it's not the, it's not like you're trying to present this grandiose aura to yourself. It's just, it's you seeing what you could be based on what you know you have an innate talent for what you are and what you've been programmed to almost deny so it's stripping away the false beliefs that that's not yours it's yours that's who you are Mm -hmm. that is you but we're programmed to believe we have to work towards it or get towards it or become it no it's actually the opposite let go of everything that makes you believe you're not it because you are already 
kind of yeah like well <laughs> but i want but i want to hear more about that so how when when you talk about being the bee instead of the do what does that look like it's also it's this matrix it's all polarity you know the masculine the feminine the yin and the yang but the do be do be do be do like it's literally the balance but it, and that's what a lot of them turn on his head tell us in, in code but um it's literally doing that it's it's that moment of whether you want to equivalent it to prayer or anything like that it's that moment of just or say you're at a restaurant and you take the you, you give the waitress your order you're not going, where's my food? Where, where is it? I, where, why are they taking so long? Well, some might do that, but you know what? I mean? They're not in the kitchen trying to cook it for them. No, they just, you just trust that it's coming. Mm-hmm. You trust that it's yours. You know it's yours. You put in the order, you set the intention, it's yours. So that being is just knowing it, owning it. Like there was that fad where what would Jesus do bracelets like a yeah. long time ago? Might be dating myself a little bit. Um, <laughs> I honestly think that's what the mentality I'll do when I fall down something like a human 3D condition, then I stop and I go, everything is always working out for me. And I go, you know, what would an empress do right now? Or what would a goddess do? Or, you know, or what would a millionaire be? And so being is just being in that end state, knowing it's already yours. And then you literally like, it's almost like a quantum leap to that. It happens. It's really wild. And so, but we forget the be. We always are in this do is what I'm getting at. And if you're. It's a kind of a transition from the conscious mind to the subconscious mind in terms of what you believe that. I don't want to use the word worth, but what you believe that you have and what you believe that you could acquire or accrue in your life. A lot, oftentimes, like if you, if you, even if you play this exercise out with people and you say, what, tell me what you, if you had three wishes from a genie in a bottle, what would they be? You can have anything, man, anything. They even, they even don't say or ask big there no we limit ourselves they we're actually limited limitless. massively i know we're very limitless and people don't understand that and i i perhaps because we're programmed to believe that we aren't it's that's a, what it is yeah. yes yeah. whether it's it's everything's putting you in a box whether it's religion or gender t- titles or school everything puts you in a box to, but there is no box we're literally limitless like it's really cool when it really clicks but do you think that it's like that because we need structure to be good human beings like we need to be structured to be good patrons in society Only because we're taught we need structure like it's literally everything's a belief when you wake up to the whole i am everything is just i don't know you are love you are a conscious creator you're in like creator mode on minecraft i don't know like you literally don't need anything you are everything but we're programmed to believe we need structure. We're programmed to believe we need to be told what to do. We're programmed to believe like it, it and then you've got your added on trauma and everything else. I don't know. We just forget who we are is what I'm getting at. Long story short is just, it's not about becoming anything. It's about waking up to what we already are and what we've forgotten who we are. You have to create that though, right? Well, you have to strip away what's blocking you from seeing it. It's not, it's already created. You are here. Everything's created. Everything's already, but you need to see that and believe it to receive it. Right. Well, I mean, create, when I say create, I mean, you need to accrue it. So you need to do things to be able to accrue that thing or Not those necessarily. things. Okay, so you, give some perspective on that. I don't know. You start operating in that end state as it's yours and you trust it and you believe it. It just happens. It just, you don't have to go out there and buy the car 
you'll have an opportunity where it's just literally given to you or something like it's, it's funny i was just thinking about lamborghini my garage oh see there you, know you go I mean? but, but you got to operate as a lamborghini owner then what would it, what would you do like maybe you go get a keychain that has it on there or something you know like so maybe you click it or whatever the sound is and you play it on your computer like yes you literally need to believe it's yours and literally sit i keep saying literally you because you really want to do it physically and sit with the thought of it imagine it play that scene like it's a movie over and over of you going into the garage and clicking it and hearing that sound and revving it up do that and feel it till it's real and i guarantee it'll happen but let go of the how that's mm -hmm. the do part that i'm trying to say like we're programmed to well i gotta get out there and make it happen no let go of the how and the what just trust and it always works out because on smaller scale, think of, I'm sure everyone had examples. I don't know, like, gosh, it'd be amazing if my client brought me a coffee, but whatever. And I move on. Oh, next coffee, next client brings yeah, me coffee. Like, so we do it really little with little things daily because it's a lot. You're, I'm not making this stuff up. It's the law. It's how it works. But the little thing we have no resistance to come easily, whether it's flowers, coffee, if you think you always get the parking spot, you know, you have parking ferry, something like that. You're always going to get the parking spot. So it comes to us in small things every day and we don't think twice about it. But some of the bigger things, our self-concept is so deep in blocking us and limiting us. That's yes. why it's harder. That's why I'm not a millionaire. So I admit, like, I have such a deep-rooted self-concept about that I need to work for it. That it's going to be a minute for me to really believe it's mine. But the moment you believe anything is yours and you trust it, it happens. It's crazy. So... Well, they tell you that you should do, like you're talking about the keychain. If you want a Lamborghini, mm -hmm. get the keychain. Okay. So you keep that. looking at it. <laughs> yeah, it's Write true. it down, things like that. Like yes. envision yourself revving the engine. Yes. Those things are kind of placing it deep in the in the subconscious mind. Psycho-cybernetics, there's a whole book about that, whether you want to pertain that to even sports, but it applies to everything, especially like cars, a house, or marriage, uh, be the best golf player. Like that's what they break it down, the science behind it. But your imagination is powerful. And it's, they're showing now literally that it, I keep saying literally, that it will create the very thing you're designing even more. Say you're a fantasy, since you're the trainer, you can think in your mind about doing, you can create the better body in your mind more like quicker than just going to the gym and just t having the negative self-talk all the time. But if you start, I'm a, God, I'm losing so much weight. This is amazing. I'm such good shape. While you're doing the action, taking action as if you already have that body, it'll come quicker. Like it's literally your mind, your cells are listening to you at any given moment. So if you have pain or illness, if you're constantly saying I'm, I'm sick or I'm unhealthy, that's all that created the moment, even if it's not necessarily the circumstances, I'm healing, I am healed. I am amazing. It's so, it's so awesome right now. How good I feel. You're not necessarily lying to yourself. You're just telling a new story, your cells and everything in your consciousness. Listen to that. And you literally become whatever you say. So your words that's are very powerful. true positive or negative yes mm -hmm. like if you i remember when i was competing for my very first show the first time i'd ever done an extreme diet to get down to sub i think it was like seven six percent body fat level mm -hmm. and it was 24 Brutal. week process and i was i started 24 weeks out and i was 12 percent starting so it was like but i my coach wanted me to do this long lengthy process slow and or slow and gradual so i didn't lose muscle mass well i started I remember telling people because they remember I remember this is I was in a perpetual bulk for fucking years. So that when I told my buddies that like, oh, I'm going to cut, I'm cutting for a show, blah, blah, blah. And this is my goal. I want to do this, etc. They were like, you're going to lose all kinds of size. And I'm say I said, no, I'm not. And I remember nobody told belief. me. Yeah. Nobody told me to do that. I just was being stubborn. I think it was mm -hmm. coming out conveying being essentially conveyed as stubbornness. But I remember thinking I remember lifting training and looking in the mirror and saying, not verbally, but in my mind thinking, 
I'm not going to lose muscle. I'm just going to get lean. I'm just going to, I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to defy the fucking odds essentially. Like the, you, I don't know that you you really can't do that, but I remember yeah. telling myself that shit. And yeah. when you bring up cells and you bring up, you know, chemical reactions in the body, essentially mm-hmm. there are elements to that, that we don't understand yes. as humans yet. Powerful. And so it could exist. Mm-hmm. You could defy the odds possibly. We don't know enough yet to even say yes or no. So anyways, I thought that was a applicable story. No, but I, I no, it is because you, you, the story you were telling, say you told your story, yourself that, oh shit, dude, I'm going to lose all this mass. Oh man, all my muscles going to, guess what would have happened? Yes. So it's the it stories like you tell. It creates your reality. <laughs> and hopefully that wasn't the case, right? So you looked good, right? Uh, well, yeah, hopefully. I didn't win, so I didn't look good enough. <laughs> But you well, know what? Somewhere in there, you were telling a story that you weren't going to win then, or, or you were worried about it. I'm just kidding. That's a good thing, though. I'm glad I didn't win that in retrospect because I know this is a tangent, side tangent. I know guys that have won their first show and then done shit after. <laughs> Nothing. Like they stopped we because they got window. first and then they're like, they're on this high horse and then that didn't feed the hunger, so they didn't go back. It never does. Yeah. I hope you fail your first show. I tell it to all the people that I know that are competitors. And if they get first, I say, you fucked up, man. You shouldn't have got first. And I'll tell you why. Because now you think you're fucking Mr. Hotshot. And you're not going to try as hard now. It's just subconsciously, you're not going to do that. You're not going to try as hard. You're not going to be as hungry. Because let's face it. You're not Mr. Olympia. You're not fighting for a title or anything. There's no money on the line here. You're on the amateur level. So if you got first, that just bloated you up like a motherfucker. And now you think when you go train every day, you're good. You're not good. And you're, again, defending nothing. So what's the threat? Like if you're at a high level in Olympia, like Arnold Classic winner, you have a title to uphold. There's money on the line. There's financial freedom on the line. Your family's well-being is on the line. Lifestyle is on the line. None of that exists at the amateur level. So I hope all competitors lose their first show. I think it depends on their intention. What if you run a marathon that you're not making any money? You know, I don't know. So maybe some of them did it just to prove that they could do it. So maybe it depends yeah, on the there. story behind it. That's definitely there. I just feel like the inflated sense of, of yeah. you know, bravado or what have you can sometimes be a bad thing. Although most of the times it's a good thing because it's mm-hmm. better than being feeling depressed and low and cynical and apathetic, etc. But I guess it also depends on your personality type, your profile, mm-hmm. your psychological profile. That matters too. That goes into the equation. So if you're me, <laughs> it's a good thing that you don't do good the first show. <laughs> well, what did you learn from not winning your first show then? Because it oh. might just be the people-pleasing perfectionist in you that, oh, now I got more to work on. Yeah. That's not necessarily a healthy thing. So the first show I got fourth out of a a fairly decent lineup of like 11 or so. So I didn't feel too bad, but it only made me want to call my coach up and I said, I'm going to do another show in a month. And then I did another show and I won that one. And then I did, and then I got this bug and I went to another show a month later. I did six shows. This is, by the way, this is like erroneous to think that you would do this if you were a competitor. But all the competitors that are listening or people that are in a bodybuilding, they're going to think I'm crazy for doing this. But yeah, a stint of six months, essentially with one show in between, I did show after show and 
I just, cause I got this addictive. What were you getting out of it? What made you? It was the competition aspect. It was the, my competing with myself and proving that I could do something that was really fucking hard and not, not like hard in the sense of like laborious, although training is laborious, except the perpetual dieting and not being on, you know, firing on all cylinders pretty much for 50, 50 weeks, but not 50 weeks. I, I lie. The first 12 weeks of dieting when I mm-hmm. first started my first show was all right. And then it just got gradually worse with every subsequent week that went by. But then you're in the thick of it when you start doing these shows because you're already, uh, you know, single digit body fat. Mm-hmm. Trying to uphold your your work, um, personal relationships, navigate through that by all the while by not firing on all cylinders and have being moody and you know because you're on this mm-hmm. caloric deficit for the majority of the time, you might have some high days here and there, but that only brings up to maybe maintenance, you know, and then you're back down to a deficit and you're doing ridiculous cardio and weight training sometimes you know twice a day you know weight training card in the morning weight training at night you're doing that perpetually but weight training was the only thing bodybuilding is the only thing that showed me and that for people that was listening i'm sorry to bore you with this because i've said this numerous times it's the only thing that showed me i had work ethic it's the only thing that identified that i had work ethic a- apart from that i thought i was going to be a bitch boy because i just would see my dad work and i'd see my dad lift weights in the garage and i see this work ethic with him and I remember thinking, how the fuck am I going to live up to that? Because as a, as a man, you think that when you, when you have your, when you have a father, if you're in a nuclear household and you're blessed to have that nuclear household, you look at your father, like I need to be him. I need to be him mm-hmm. provided he's a good representation of what a male figure should be. And not all of us are blessed with that. And I was grateful to be blessed with that. And I'll forever be grateful for that. But you think to yourself, how do I be that? Mm. You don't even think about being over it. You think, how do I even become half of that? All of that if I'm lucky, you know? What I'm getting is at the end of the day, you're programmed to believe that. But 99% that get to that still have that void inside. Because it's, that's Absolutely. technically not what we're supposed to do either. But anyways, that's why I was curious, the, the psychology behind it. Like, what did you feel was the reason to drive you? So it proved you had work ethic, okay? It proved you could overcome your mind and, you know, some sort of pain as well, obviously. So you felt like a warrior maybe. I don't know. You yeah. felt strong. But maybe it was also a distraction from maybe your personal relationships or where you weren't showing up somewhere else. Like, I don't know. But at the end of the day, what I'm getting at too is it's cool to do these journeys and these experiences. And that was obviously a big chunk of your life. But to also just sit with what drove you to do that and what did you learn about yourself from that and also – what can you take away from that? Not just that you have good work ethic, but why do you even feel you need to have such a strong work ethic? Why do you know what I mean? Like get deeper. If I was to get deeper with that, the <laughs> only thing that I could think of is that it is, it is the male imperative. It's a burden on the male to become something. Is it just male though? Cause I feel like women are ob- feeling it too. Yeah, but that's new. I don't think that's an, I don't think that's an old thing. This is, this has been, this has been infused in us biologically for a millennia. You got to protect, you got to provide. And what that looks like modern day Mm -hmm. is you got to create something. 
You got to build something. And so when that imperative is on you and you feel it, but you don't know how to, you can't even define it. You don't know how to, you don't know how to circumvent it. You don't know how to cultivate this certain thing. Mm -hmm. What does it even look like when you get windows into the, when I say windows, I mean, when you, when you can, I guess, peer through a window and realize, oh, I have that. That's something that could I could possibly implement and add to me becoming a better, more, more prosperous male. Like, like when I say prosperous, I mean becoming something of utility. But what I guess what I'm getting at is, aren't we a program in general that the man needs to go out there and do to provide to provide value, and then the woman needs to do A, B, and C to be a value. What I'm getting at is at the core of it, that's not true for either genders. We shouldn't have to prove our anything to be a value. We're valuable as we are. And so a big part of this lesson of life is just understanding that and not needing to go out and prove yourself and to keep striving for another level and to keep doing myself included, all of us, whether it's intellectually, physically, emotionally, whatever, but we're always trying to do more, whether it's trying to avoid pain or seek pleasure, you're literally never just being and understanding you're amazing and you're valuable and you are love just who you are. You don't need to be a provider, but I get that because like you said, it's been programmed into you, but I honestly feel like it's a programming we need to wake up from because you can keep chasing this carrot and never and still have that void and it's it's sad to see is what i'm getting at whether it's the female or the male yeah sure i i i agree with that it is sad but it's one of those things that men just accept we just accept it and we just deal with it and we just try to be our best in the interim and what i mean by be our best is we 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 know that no one's coming to save us unless it's our family but what if we don't have any family no one's coming to save us. Our male friends are gonna are are not going to save us per se. I mean, they might give us a room and board for a month or so, but ultimately they're gonna call us a fucking loser if we're not doing anything with our lives. And they're gonna shame us. And that's how men create other men. You can also do it in a different way. You can do it in a more strategic, productive manner, but it's gonna be conveyed the same. The man's going to receive it the same. He's going he's gonna to receive it as I'm not doing enough. And that's just something that as much as I don't want to subscribe to that, I have no choice. There's always a choice. I guess that's where I come in when I'm working with men is getting them to see, feel seen, heard, and believed in and understood. I, I don't think we have to subscribe to how it's been done and maybe in a weird way off the topic way that's what they mean by toxic masculinity maybe because there are aspects that are not right and they shouldn't be and, and we do should sit with how we could i don't know we are getting to a better spot i think more than ever i have a lot of male friends that are being more open emotionally than they've ever been i think in their past because their fathers didn't open up ever and we saw how toxic that was you know heart attacks being the number one reason men die like you yeah. should not suppress the heart chakra like speak your truth be open with that femininity and that vulnerability and that honesty. And so I do see more of that happening. So perhaps we can reprogram the fact of you aren't just a value of what you can provide or do. So I don't know. That's probably the reason why I do this podcast. And I started doing it because I would do it by myself and I would just talk. And that was my way of, you know, providing therapy to myself. Mm -hmm. And 
I've, I've spoken openly on this podcast before about the fact that when I was young, I would always talk to myself. And I still to this day do, but I don't talk to myself in terms of like, there's a person there. I talk to myself, like I work out things in my head. I'll reflect, <laughs> I'll perspect. What's yeah, that? I said a lot of us do. I do all the time. And my mom, it's, a, it's an ongoing joke. She may have told you this. <laughs> Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know much she had that bulge with, but she's, she would know what was going on in my life when I was young, when I was living at the house. Cause I'd be in the bathroom Having a taking a shit, talking to myself and they, she would find out. And I'm like thinking, cause there are, there are a few instances where I'm like, how the fuck did you know that in my head? I didn't say that verbally to her, but I remember thinking in my head, like, how did you know that? That was her secret. Like she would always listen in the door <laughs> while I was taking a shit and, and cause I was more often than not talking to myself. But that's where it comes from. Men from a young age are told, Oh, get up, go, you know, brush your legs off. Cause that male generation said, pull yourself up from your bootstraps yeah. type of thing and get going. I'm I'm raising two sons and so I want to I'm all about conscious parenting like I want them to have their truth and not personalize in others I want them to speak what they're feeling even if you don't know because a lot of times you don't like when people are like well what's going on you're like I don't know I don't know is a good way to to start you just be like I'm my heart is hurting but I don't know why but men aren't even typically allowed to even say that when you know in that generational growth like just suck it up you're fine you know that is so detrimental to you as a human and soul and I don't know, and integrating the masculine and feminine within. I don't know. I think we're just at a different place right now where I know that's the programming we've been conditioned for, but I do feel like it's changing. That's all I wanted to say. I don't know. And yeah. you, I know you you mentioned that. I don't think it's possible, but I feel like it is. In my do you think in our lifetime? In my timeline, I'm making it happen. Yes. So. Do you, are you aware of this thing called Neuralink that Elon Musk is working on? Mm-mm. I was thinking about what we were talking about with UFOs and aliens and all that shit. And I was, and he has, and you were talking about communication. I forgot to what extent, but it was, it was sort of surrounding communication and you were, or it reminded me rather of this thing that, that Elon Musk is working on. I believe he's working on it or he's affiliate or something or at, I think, I think it's his, <sighs> everything's his, it seems like. So it probably <laughs> is, but it's called Neuralink where and I might be butchering this, but I think the kind of the overcast of it is that people will be able to talk without using words. Mm-hmm. Mm, okay. Have you heard about that? No, but we we can. Do you think we're moving kind of in that direction? We already in- were there. We are there. Everything's happening in the present yeah. moment. But yes, it's it's yes, it's consciousness where we don't need words. We don't need the ghost or the alien to show up. I was I think I mentioned that. Yeah. Uh, it just is. It's just energy. It's just, we're already seeing small, you can see that in your daily life. Like, oh, I should call that person. And then they call you or text you. Like, yeah. it, it's, our mind is very powerful, let alone our, just our vibration, our consciousness. It's very, very, very powerful. And you create everything. So yes, I did not know. I'll have to look into this. I didn't realize he was creating that. But there's even conspiracy theories that the whole 5G towers and stuff are a way of manipulating our thoughts. Because I don't know if you've been scrolling, but I know if you've looked something up, it can show up on an ad. But have you ever thought of something, not even looked it up, and then there's an oh ad for it? Oh my gosh, it's so crazy that you say that. Yes, there's so there's theories that they're already doing this. Whole they neural, are. Yes. They are. And I'll tell you exactly exactly fuck this this kind of is scary to even talk about it and this is the reason why i didn't even talk i didn't even talk about this shit to myself like i didn't even say like (laughs) are you kidding me i can't believe i didn't even i didn't even say that i held it in but this 5g okay i think you might this is on the backbone of conspiracy theory but that's fine i really think that that has some merit and i've just i've dismissed this like four times 
Because yes, it's it's one thing our phone is listening to us. That's yeah, the first. We that. Okay, we know that. Duh. However, there is something in my head that I'm not even saying, and then all of a sudden it will come up on my phone. On case in point, this happened four four times, but the last most recent time it was like two days ago. Somebody walked in. Somebody walked in the gym with like this kind of like mauve tie-dye shirt it was like but it was stylish i like it and for some reason like i like the design i don't typically like i mean right now i'm wearing neutral colors like i typically wear solid print shirts and things like that because i'm boring as fuck but (laughs) this guy walked in with this shirt and i'm like i wonder if I could get that shirt like Lululemon or Noble or something like because they kind of looked yeah. kind of looked aligned with what they would put out their products. Mm-hmm. Motherfucker yeah. on Instagram, Noble shows up, and again I didn't speak a word of this to not myself, nobody, and the first ad, uh, you know how they you can skim through the different you know teas and tanks that they offer. Yeah. The first block of, or the first ad that came up, the first picture of the guy, the model, was a noble, like tie dye mauve tank, and then I kept scrolling to think that was a coincidence. It gave me more of those iterations of that shirt, but just different. Yep. And I'm like, what the fuck? There's two theories. I mean, there's multiple theories, but it could be the technology. That's picking up on our brain waves that can basically read our thoughts. Or the other perspective is that we're ascending collectively. And so therefore your conscious thoughts are being manifested quicker. Mm. So basically be conscious of your thoughts because it's manifesting quick. Mm. So either way it's happening. So whether you want to believe it in the, in the aspect of technology or that you're creating this quick, meaning you create your reality. So if you, for instance, I, I think just yesterday I was like, oh man, I just hit, you know, Three, 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 three on my mileage or whatever on my on my Jeep. Then all of a sudden, I literally, I stopped counting at twelve different cars had three, three, three in their license plate. So did that happen or did I create that? You know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those things. So I just sit with stuff like that all the time because I'm like, I think we're just ascending and getting closer to the whole second coming of Christ, which is just waking up to the I am. So we're we're creating our realities quicker than normal is what I'm getting. Yeah, at. and it's scary. Yes, but you start to almost feel like you're obviously in a video game because you're creating the coding even your ads you see like things like that so i don't know i have fun with that mindset but i do i do not degrade or demean or whatever the, the other mindset that it's technology i absolutely could be so we don't either know way. but either way it's happening that's what i'm getting at <laughs> i it's, just choose to be in the driver's seat and say that i'm creating it because it's a little more i feel like a little bit more in power in that one than saying they're doing it to me it's wild yeah it's, it's crazy. really really wild it makes me not want to think <laughs> because i'm very private in a lot of regards and I don't like when people know certain things that I don't want them to know Mm -hmm. I only dispense with things that I want people to know clearly and I mean there's not a whole lot in my life I'm not that interesting I'm not that I'm not doing a whole lot I'm very predictable there's not a whole lot of variation in my life there's not a whole there's not skeletons in my closet like I'm not I don't like anything off-putting really that much like I'm just kind of basic you know Mm -hmm. But even to that degree, I don't want people knowing that I'm basic on certain <laughs> things. Like I only want, I'm only going to share with oh, you what funny. I want you to know, you yeah. know, but first in my bubble, my facade. Yeah. Just kidding. And that's, and maybe that's, I don't know, maybe that's ego derived. I don't know, Perhaps. but 
Yeah. Well, it's still it's intrusive, so it's very interesting to sit with. But it's I think of it I think of it obviously as intrusive, but I also think of it as like that is insane that that this is actually a real thing. And I've dismissed it a few times, but when I saw that the last most recent time I thought um this is not just a coincidence. It can't be just a coincidence, man. Mm-hmm. And then I my mind again, I was even though I say I haven't dismissed it or I, even though I say I I didn't dismiss this last time, I still did a little bit. I still suppressed it and said, nah, because I just most don't want to believe it. Yeah, most of it. It's just a coincidence, but... I would have thought, I would have thought if I had gotten... I'm going to obviously tell people that I have not had the jab, but if I had gotten the jab, I would have thought, okay, it's something that was in that shit mm. that's making me, that's making my <laughs> brain talk to... As crazy as that sounds, I don't know what to make of it. I haven't heard of that, but there's, I'm just a, I am open to everything. I hear, I listen to everything. So. I'm just a human trying to, trying to parse this shit out. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm doing. And sometimes these, these thoughts are going to be crazy and sometimes they're going to be logical, but no, I'm trying to just, stuff going on. trying to just parse it out. I'm I just think trying it's going to get only crazier too. Cause my truth is that we are awaking. A lot more people are awake, waking up to their truth more than ever. And so. As a result of that, more stuff is done to keep people asleep. So it gets even crazier. So that's what we're seeing right now. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a good thing. That can be a good thing. It's good. There's light at the end of the tunnel. I promise. Yeah, there is. Yeah. A lot of people are very cynical about that. A lot of people are very nihilistic to some degree. Yeah, which Uh, I I can respect that perspective as well. What do you say to those that are that way? That's their reality. I'm choosing my own. Do you think that, because I, okay, so for example, I have a client that is, I, I, I love the person that she is. She's a great person. I can't help but think that because she may not be doing or living up to her full potential is the reason why she has to access certain things in life. We'll call them medications. And it's like, if you, if you just did more Mm -hmm. or if you were contributing more because you're very able to contribute, you could probably fend off some of these. Oh, they could a hundred percent. But at what point do we step back? Cause we're also not here to be martyrs and save people either. So they absolutely, everyone's capable of completely being a hundred percent whole and healthy and, and mentally and physically, but there's only so much we can do. You can like the whole cliche lead a horse to water, but if she's a lot of us can see potential in people and, and where they're hurting themselves and we want to help. But at the end of the day too, we, anyone that's has addiction in, in any aspect, they need to want that change for themselves. So correct. Yeah. So it does hurt when you see something like that and you want to help, but in the end you can't help. They, they need to desire more for themselves. And in that moment you just kind of have to listen. That's it. Yep. You know, is that what you do? Mm-hmm. You just listen and, him and haw no judgment and no shame just that's what true unconditional love is which we need we don't need to do anything but we should practice more of it's everything is like i only love you if you're in this box you know i don't subscribe mm-hmm. to that i'm like you could have murdered somebody and i'll still love you like i, I know i'm a weirdo but that's why i think i i gravitate like you said earlier to cluster beads but because i don't personalize their projections i don't personalize their stuff even if it's done directly to me i still don't personalize it like we're all going through our stuff. We all have our stuff. So the person you're with feels, it's safe to say they feel really safe with you. 
I think so. They they say that. So, um, you know, I, I can, I'm, I tend to be in somebody's corner as a rock and battle their demons with them. Even if they don't see the light, I'll sit in the dark with them. And so that's kind of hard to find. And I think that they might not initially see that, but eventually they do. And they don't want to lose that because it is hard to find. Mm-hmm. So he can, he, I think he can see that I'm, I see the best for him, but I can't push him to do it. He's got to want it. But yeah. I, but I hold space for him while he does it on his own. I feel like it should be like that with any relationship, friendship or romantic is you do your work. I do my work and we come together and we evolve together. But too many times people go to marriage counseling or whatever, and they just want the other one to keep change and you got to do your own work. And so that's kind of what I did say with him to do your work. I do my work and we come together, but I hold space for you while you're doing that work. Cause no one's perfect. We're all growing and learning here and we all have our trauma and our addiction and our attachment styles and shadows. So, so it's safe to say that you put forth more of the masculine energy in that relationship. Yes, I would say Mm -hmm. that's, and that's not, but that's not how he is normally, or is that how he is with you? I think we do a switch role too. The more you evolve, the more you're able to switch. So, um, you know, during the days we can both be masculine and then behind closed doors. And when it's more just us and intimacy, he might desire to be more in the feminine and I can be more in the masculine, or maybe there's a day where it's vice versa. So, Mm. and I think that's a healthy spot to be in. You shouldn't just primarily stay in one energy. I think that's actually quite damaging to your growth as an, as a soul. So the more you can integrate both, the more you can do that swish and play and back to the whole doobie doo as well. Like the more you can really understand the dance and not I know this is silly but like a piano like you you can't have a true song with just dark keys or just light keys you need to play both and enjoy the dance and enjoy the song and and I don't know so it's it's all about playing with both and and, and not shaming either one I don't know do you think that that would be confusing to the person to try to find their identity it depends on your level of emotional intelligence um the one that's perhaps a good question. Yes, I've done that with previous partners where it started to question their identity as a result. Um, but I think if you're at a certain level, you can face that and still own your truth and say, no, 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 you know, I, I don't know. So perhaps it could, but is that a negative thing? Like it just depends on back to the beginning conversation. I might trigger, but is that a negative? It depends on if you want to grow and face your shadows or not. So it could question, yes. But yeah. Depends on the person whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. In your experience, how has it been? Are I've they, seen are both. they conf- Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've seen some where they took it very negative, and then I was painted black as like making them question what I, whether it's sexuality or the, who they are and all that. And then other times where they've never felt more free because now yeah. they, they're not needing to, to, to say that they're bisexual or gay. But no, they like women, but to not be shamed for something like that, you know? I don't know. Or for liking the opposite sex. Mm hmm. Or for just wanting something that is considered taboo or kinky or something, but that doesn't necessarily make them be that. Why are we putting a title or label on it? So I can hold space for a masculine man being in their feminine energy and not judge or shame them and not have to put a title on them. Just because you're in your feminine energy, that doesn't make you, quote, gay. It doesn't. And so, I don't know. If you're open to that growth and that journey, I, I feel like my, my energy can definitely invoke that within somebody. So it just depends. Here's a question for you. This is a big question. Oh, Lordy. Okay. Okay. Hot in here. <laughs> if you were to meet a masculine man, not we're not talking about alpha, just talking about a yeah. masculine That's man. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Alpha is just a mindset. Beta is a mindset. 
correct? Yeah, and a lot of alphas aren't true alphas. Let's sure. just put it that way, but okay, keep going. So if they're like just adopting masculinity, mm-hmm. okay? And they, let's say they make $3 million a year, top 1% of males in the world. Probably less because they're tall, handsome, they have good morals, they come from a good background, they're everything that is the stereotypical archetype male that is the specimen, okay? okay? (laughs) But let's say, nonetheless, let's say you're attracted to this man. You're like just physically off the rip, you're attracted to him. And then all these other things are just additional, right? The fact that he is an exceeding provider and let's say he's physically fit so he can protect you, etc. And you meet him because he gets he comes in, gets on your books for a haircut. Okay. But he is a masculine man, meaning that he will not accept a masculine woman in any format. He okay. only expects no, so let me get through the story. It's like some masculine men like alpha females. No, no. Yeah. Okay, so but let's say this guy mm-hmm. doesn't, and okay. he will not accept that. Yeah. And but He's got no kids and he's never been married and he he's looking for this woman, so to speak. And he proposed like you go out on a couple of days, you get to know each other because you're interested, etc. And then you guys have the conversation. Maybe on the fourth day. You guys have the conversation. So there's some investment there. You've maybe spent a collective of eight hours with this individual. And he says on this fourth date. I really see this as being something and I would like to see where it goes in the future. However, you should know something about me if you haven't already picked up on it. I only will do well. I know it's about me and you may not know this yet, but you'll know now like this is about me. I can only come. I can only blend with a feminine woman. Mm -hmm. And so that means the submissive aspect, the supportive, the cooperative, etc. But I am going to fulfill everything as my duties as a man for you. If you'd like to work, you can work, but you don't have to because I pay for everything. My money is our money and your money is your money. Mm-hmm. But it's he makes so much money that when it comes to pulling the credit card out to buy a pair of $1,000 shoes, it's like, well, I could use mine, I could use his. It doesn't matter. He makes an abundance of money. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Okay. And you're provided for it. You never have to work unless you don't unless you want to, of course, which is just play money. Okay. But again, he has play money. So which is it kind of bears that question, well, what's the fucking point now? Unless you really, really love what you do and you love the what you do. So I could see you still doing it. However, he only he's just giving you that opportunity or that option rather. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do that. But he he expects the femininity from you and he will not settle for anything masculine. That's not necessarily true femininity though. If you're expecting femininity is flow. So if you expect something, you're putting it in a box again. But anyways, what, so what is your question though? So would you accept that? No, I don't putting it, getting put in a box because the true evolved spirit is going to want to integrate masculine and feminine. Some days you're going to be in your masculine. Some days you're going to be feminine, but to be told you have to be feminine 24 seven, there's some women that subscribe to that. Good, good mm-hmm. for them. But myself, I don't believe that's that's doing a disservice to my soul's evolution if I can't also 
understand the power of the masculine energy and integrate it. That's what a holy person is when you become whole. You literally don't want to stay. Some can. So teach their own. I'm not knocking that. But if you stay too much in the yin or the yang or the masculine or the feminine or the dismissive or the anxious, you're not truly growing and evolving and becoming whole. Mm-hmm. So perhaps they signed up for that, though. Maybe they want a little conventional 3D life with the picket fence and the kid and one's just the feminine one. That's fine, but I guarantee there's a void within both of them guaranteed yeah so what kind of life is that whereas i'm choosing to become more whole there's less of a void it's peace it's power it's positive energy it's love so it's just choice but would i choose that no because i would feel like that'd be no matter if you're a billionaire it's downgrading it to me as far as what i came here to do and achieve so where do you see yourself in let's say five years i don't really do that i'm all about the present moment so i feel like everything's working out for me i I'd imagine perhaps doing exactly what I am doing, what I've doing been doing for decades, just enjoying what I do and connecting with people and helping them in their spiritual journey while also really learning a lot about myself by the reflection of what's going on in my environment and my reality. So just growing and evolving. And I came here to play. I think we forget that. So in five years, I hope I'm playing. I hope I'm playful and still kinky and loving and positive and enjoying life because we forget that and we get too much in survival mode. And so... I think I'll still be successful and I'll still be kicking ass at life and have grown children and exploring, adventuring, and just enjoying my time here while I'm here. So I came here to play and have fun. Yeah, you've been doing a lot of adventuring. I've, I've been loving seeing the different places you've been. I love nature, yeah. It's yeah. Awesome. You, it, you you took a picture one time about like you were next to this, I think was it a rock or a waterfall? I forgot. You were somewhere, it looked like Arizona, I could be wrong, but I mean, you were, where were oh, you Oh, uh, Garden of the Gods, it's in Colorado. Okay. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, and that was a crazy sight, to, like, see how big everything was and how small you were, like, just... It's even more so in person, but yes, it's beautiful. I don't know, I'm not teach their own, but I don't know, I, nature is amazing, and we forget how beautiful, even in California, everyone wants to shame California, but there's so much beauty here, so, but, in all the states, so I'm on a kick of that, yeah. Especially in California, like... Like the yeah. ocean, everything that we There's have here. There's a lot here. here that we undermine and forget. Yeah, mountains and national parks and redwood trees. And yeah, there's a lot of gems in California. So, so much to see, so little time because I'm obviously working so much too. So <laughs> I'm trying. But anyways, yeah, five years playing. Where are you going to be at five years? <laughs> um, you know... <laughs> long pause <laughs> i don't we don't need the answer too though that's what's we've kind of generally i don't know we make are you know we judge people by what they do and what they have and who they are like are you just why can't it just be are you happy so in five years are you happy i don't want to be happy i want to be fulfilled and the thing that's going to fulfill me is being is being a financially free and giving to people that i want to give to so and setting them up in a way that they was unfathomable to them but that's my whole quest now that's what i'm that's why i'm doing these certain things and that's why i i have this incessant need and drive to become more it's not it has zero to fucking do with me it may seem like the ego in me and perhaps that's a good driving mechanism for me but the fact is this is done for other people and those people will find out the day it happens and it's not going to be a day it's going to be an it's going to be an extension of days 
but it's going to be something that's going to compound each other over time where it will reveal itself. But I can't get there unless I start here first or if I, and when I say start, I mean, I've been doing, I've been starting with these ideas in mind for the last, since 2014. So five years, I don't know, I could get to where I could, I could get an opportunity or I could have something external come my way in, in a month or two or a year. I don't know, but it, Mm -hmm. it, the outcome, the end goal outcome is to do these, is to be able to provide exponentially in ways that don't exist in my family line. They don't exist. They never have, and they probably never will, but I'm going to be the one. And so that's the reason why I do anything. All right. (laughs) (laughs) I I haven't answered that question. I don't think the la- I don't I don't think anybody's asked me that and so that's why I had to sit with it for a minute because it's still it, even saying it's still f- sort of nebulous I can't even really bring out the words right now even even conveying it currently so I but that's the best I can come up with no it works <laughs> um I know you have a lot of places to be. You got a lot to do. You have a busy, busy ass life. I'm surprised yeah. I even got you on the podcast today when we did. Literally walk right from work to here. Ah. Yeah. That's how it was last time. I think so. Yeah. It yeah. almost always is. But you're immersed in something that you find immense value in and you love the the ministry that you're in. I mean, that's essentially a ministry. Like what I do is a ministry. It's my own ministry. It, you may not frame it that way, or maybe perhaps you do, but other people might not frame it that way in their their lives. But what you're doing in terms of providing a, a contrib- or contributing to people rather is the way that you're using yourself in terms of the ministry you're providing. You know, it's that you're the ministry that you're providing essentially. Well, also self-reflection growth too. So I think a lot of people can get in this position where they're helping others and adding value but they also forget to sit with themselves and how they're growing and evolving because that's only going to further help you help other people. So anyways, I just see a lot of people in that position that don't actually stop to do their own work too, just constantly helping everyone else or adding value. But you need to stop and constantly check in with yourself and do your own work too. Like people pleasers? Yes. Yeah. You're kind of that way you said. Yes, and I see little parts of it in you too, so that's why I'm throwing that out there too, that make sure that your value isn't just worth, you know, isn't just depending on what worth and value you can give to other people and what you can provide for them. That shouldn't be your only value. Yeah. On a subconscious level, because yeah, consciously yeah. we can say that. No, I know, I, I know, I'm a good person. But subconsciously, we feel like it's what we do for others that makes us a good person. So yeah, and it's like you don't want, like you don't want to receive it. Yeah. You know, receive you know, that it's aspect. Balance of that too. Learning to receive. That's the B. I wonder if it's just for me. Uh, I, by the way, I'm not trying to excuse it. Is maybe just the goal. It's just a goal that I have that I can't let go of. Then that's, there's a reason it's there. So set the intention and then act as if it's already yours. So do it. Amen. (laughs) Well, let's end it there because again, I know you're busy, but tell people where they can find you. Sugar High Studios or the Saucy Siren on Instagram. Yeah, social media, I guess. Facebook? No, Facebook? Uh, Stephanie Peaky. Yep. There you have it. Stephanie, thank you again. (laughs) You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Done.